Welcome to WFMY Cornercast, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, with Ethan Fornes and Mitch Crawl. Uh, M Train tonight, I believe, is what uh, <laughs> we're rolling with. Uh, guys, the guards are rolling on the patrolling the base pass. I, we got a sweep today of the uh, of the White Sox. Uh, are you excited to talk about some uh, guards offense best in the league so far? Uh, I, going into the day, it was 5.64 runs per game. I don't know where they're at now because uh, that up, hasn't updated. Uh, but, guys, we have an offense that at yeah. least seeming of one. What, are the, what do you guys think? I would say that the uh, current runs per game is slightly above 5.64, considering they scored six today. You would, um, you would stand to reason. <laughs> no, I mean, like, this has been a lot of fun. I, I It's always... You know, there was a lot of negative feelings about this team coming into the season. That they didn't sign the guys that they were hoping to sign. And, you know, this team's had uh, some struggles at the dish in the past. But, uh, you know, hopefully this hot start kind of attracts some people. I, I think there's a lot to like about this team. Um, I, and certainly the way they've played so far. And I think a lot of it's sustainable. Uh, so I'm hopeful that people, you know, take notice and, and start to watch, tune in day to day because uh, it has been a real treat. Uh, giant series, not included there. Yeah, how do you feel about the uh, the offense and the team going forward right now? It's been kind of uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Heidi to start the year, if that makes any sense. For sure. You know, this, this was the first time this season they've scored between three and six runs, which is bizarre to think about. Twelve games into the season, they've yeah, either been. Good. Yeah, they've, they've either been doing next to nothing or blowing the doors off of teams, which is a welcome change of pace. I saw from uh, Secret Base's Dorktown, which I love how they present their data and their charts. They kind of took a, a couple shots across the bow uh, at Cleveland in one of their posts recently. They were talking about just how bad the 2022 Arizona Diamondbacks are in terms of uh, batting average through their oh, yeah, first 15 games. Now, the 2022 Arizona Diamondbacks are historically the worst through a team's first 12 or 15 games, however many it was uh, in the modern era. But at the top, where they denoted a couple of the uh, keys to look at, in orange, there was, and I quote, a couple of Cleveland squads from recent memory and the last five years of Cleveland Guardians April baseball, or then Indians baseball, was among that graph of some of the worst offensive starts in baseball. So this is a very welcome change of pace. Yes, for yeah. sure. We uh, we definitely enjoy the, uh, albeit a little bit randomness, but there definitely is a lot more to enjoy. As Mitch was saying, um, you know, obviously nothing, we don't necessarily need to have everything be predicated off of, are the fans going to enjoy this or how to get fans out to the stadium? But Team success is definitely going to get fans out, and I think also it can't hurt. It's not good. It's 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 been it's better than them failing. Um, we're that's filling up blog space. That's not filling up seat space. And um, but uh, the team as it's also constructed right now with Jose there for the long term, fans are able to depend on him being there with the. Uh, Miles Straw extension, Quan doing so well at the, in this early going, Owen Miller doing so well in this early going. A lot of these young guys are coming up and, and 
we know that you know, as fans, we know that there is always that ticking clock, but these guys all have way, way more time on that clock than some of the normal, uh, the teams of the past where they're, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're looking at the arbitration years and it's getting lean and, and those things, but, uh, we don't have to necessarily worry about that so much with some of the guys that are producing right now. So, yeah, no doubt. I, I think, um, and, and the guys who are producing whom we maybe expect to produce in the Jose Ramirez category, we don't have to worry about him leaving either. I mean, it's, uh, it's a new day in, in Cleveland baseball. And, and, you know, I think that like ownership didn't do that much to make it a new day, but signing Jose Ramirez, was like the minimal requirement and they, and they reached it. And now we don't have to worry about, okay, like what is this team going to be in three years? We know that, Hey, it's going to have Jose Ramirez and it's going to have a solid pitching staff and uh, let's fill in the cracks from there. And uh, you know, what are we 12 games into the season so far? So good. 12 games, uh, 12 games with a hit for Jose Ramirez. That's true. Yeah. Got, a, got a few lucky ones today, but he'll take those. Hey, you take those. Ethan, any more any more uh, comments on the, uh, the 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 somewhat fast start for the uh, Guardians before we get to news and notes? So we've talked about Stephen Kwan ad nauseum, and he's slowed down, but not exactly been unproductive the last couple of games. But you know, I think what really got overshadowed was just how strong Jose Ramirez's start was. He's the first player, I think, ever to hit two grand slams in a team's first 10 games. Um, and he did it from both sides of the plate. Uh, he's got 20 RBIs through a team's first 11 games, which ties the record for the most all time. He's hit four home runs so far. He's hitting over 400. I mean, uh, do you think anybody else feels pretty solid about having his future solidified? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just – slight correction. He's only behind the, the- – Cleveland Indians, 1999, Manny Ramirez. Um, but hey, like anytime you can compare a current Cleveland player to Manny Ramirez is a good opportunity to do so. Um, and actually that, I mean, we, it's not under a rundown, but the, the Zach Buchanan piece on The Athletic recently compared George Valera to, to Manny Ramirez, uh, Cleveland prospect George Valera. Uh, so that's something for, for Cleveland fans to look forward to in case this season takes a turn. But let's not look to the future right now. Let's look to the present. Damn, we're sitting in first place. We don't need to talk about Valera right now <laughs> and producing or anything like that. We we like to hear those things, but uh, we're, we're not there yet. So, all right, okay. let's get Just to like this. we all thought. Guardians right, first place. Yeah. We were definitely – had you uh, come to my head, definitely would have said first place 12 games in. Totally. Absolutely. Absol- Absolutely. So let's get to the news and notes. As I mentioned from the beginning, we had a uh, Chicago White Sox sweep. Uh, I end up, it was going to be a four-game series. It ended up being a three-game series due to postponements. Uh, the doubleheader yesterday started out well with the uh, seven. It was seventeen to one, seventeen to two. I don't remember. It was, was that much. Oh, it was I, oh, twelve to two. The total. I'm completely. Uh, lost no, on, 13, on 13 to 2. There we there, go. There it is. Yeah. And then uh, there was a, a much less uh, run scored in the second game, but they did. It were able to squeak out the uh, double oh, yesterday. Are you talking about the first game? The first game was 11 to 1. The second game was 2 to 1. So total in the two days is 13 to 2. There you go. Thank you. 
correction if I needed those. So I'm sorry. Uh, but also, before we were able to get to the double huddle yesterday, uh, we had news of the COVID outbreak that was happening in Guardians camp. Um, it was reported earlier in the week that Yu Chang was uh, going on the IL with uh, undisclosed um, reasons, which we have come to find out was uh, COVID that led to Owen Miller, Cal Quantrill, and Anthony Castro also hitting the, uh, the COVID list. Um, that means that they are out at least five games, um, possibly 10 games if they're, uh, um, if they don't meet the negative test requirements and things like that. Um, just a real quick on those. What does, uh, Ethan, what does Miller and Quantrill mean? Castro obviously is a bullpen arm and right now we still have, you know, we have the, the guardians called up three pitchers to take place of, uh, Two, two going out and Miller. Um, so obviously we're still just bereft of arms right now. We have tons of arms. So um, I'm more I'm more uh, interested in, in hearing what you think uh, the difference is with losing Chang and Miller. Um, what does that do to the playing time of the guys that are on the roster now? So Josh Naylor coming back couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, gives you some first base and outfield flexibility and so far a pretty solid bat lineup. He had another really good day at the plate today. He's hitting over 400 since he came back um, producing. He drove in a pair of runs today. So it's really nice to have him back, and it, it's kind of helping make up for a guy who statistically was, depending on where you look, one of the two best hitters in baseball to start the year through his first 10-ish games before he hit the list in Owen Miller. Um you know, you're going to start seeing some weirder lineups. Um, we had a little bit of that in this White Sox series. We saw Fran Miel play right sure. field. Um, what what was it? Clement hit second in game one of the doubleheader while Quan got some rest. So and, straw and Clement. Like Clement played left field. He played left field. Uh, he had a hell of a While, while Ahmed hit, uh, it played shortstop still. Yeah, and Ahmed, Ahmed DH'd uh, today which was one of those weird things that you kind of have to do to, to tinker with the, the bodies that you have. Um, some fun COVID rules for everybody, if you're unclear on these. Uh, when the shortened season happened, there were some extended rules to roster restrictions. Um, if you had guys on this five-day COVID IL, however you want to describe how MLB calls it, uh, you could pull from players not on your 40-man roster to take spots on the 26 or the 28. So that's how the Guardians wound up with Kirk McCarty and Yeldelo Santos and Tanner Tully. Tully, Tully, one of the Tanners from the system, uh, being the three arms that were called up to replace Yu Chang, Owen Miller, and Cal Quantrill. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't know how much to read into these guys. I think, um, you know, the reason these three were the ones to get the call up were, you know, it doesn't really interfere with, uh, you know, development. We're not really looking at Tanner Tully or Kirk McCarty as a, a future guardian on, on the World Series winning 2025 Guardians team, right? Like, these are guys that they can just throw up there because, you know, they won't get absolutely smoked, hopefully. They've got live um, arms and they are attached and they're not yeah. sick. I mean, I've always been an Eniel De Los Santos fan since back in his uh, Phillies days, but I don't think he's a future part of this team. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm excited for, for those guys, especially Tully and McCarty, just because I'm not sure they would have gotten opportunities otherwise, and now they will. They can say they're major leaguers, and that's great for them. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the loss of Owen Miller, uh, it looms kind of big for, like, the team's success, but it's just kind of a bummer because he was hitting so well, uh, and he was so poor to start last season just was nice to see a guy go up there with confidence and hit line drives all over the place. That's what was advertised to us, and that's what he was doing. Uh, so hopefully this uh, quick, quick IL stint doesn't, uh, you know, hurt his his momentum long term. Um, you know, if this is, you know, uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point. It, guys batting average and on base percentage is not what it's going to be long term. But you know, if, it, if we get a guy going up there who is looking for pitches to drive and can find them and hit line drives consistently like Owen Miller was doing the first, whatever, five to eight games of the season, uh, you know, that's a guy who has a spot on this team. So it is a little bit of a bummer to see that paused uh, for a few days. Uh, but ultimately, you know, this team just is about getting guys opportunities. It's Unless things go really, really right this year, it's probably not going to happen. So, uh, you know, we'll get to see Eniel De Los Santos for a few days. So that's not the worst. They've gone really, really right so far. So I don't see what the issue is and why that's going to stop. I've been, I've, I've flipped heads twenty five times and gotten heads twenty five times. I'm going to get the heads the next time, right? That's how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, any more comments on uh, the guys that had come up? So we'll get to this a little bit more in depth later because there's still some roster questions based on the the players that were called up. But uh, it's already been announced that Kirk McCarty is going to get one of the starts in the Bronx against the Yankees coming up here. So I believe it's going to be Eli Morgan goes tomorrow and Kirk is going to start Saturday, which for a guy who's never pitched in the majors, says an awful lot about what the team thinks of one Logan S. Allen, who's been hiding in the bullpen, started in the rotation last season. I was, has been Bodie had mentioned piggyback or piggybacks for uh Eli and McCarty and for some reason I could not remember Logan Allen's name. And I'm like, well Eli was the piggyback that we were thinking of for everybody else and now he's starting, and I could not remember Logan Allen's name, and you just reminded me of it. So He's suffering a little bit from that Bobby Bradley, like they're just trying to stash him and wait for the opportunity to, I think, ultimately remove him from the roster if they can't find a, a trade partner. So it's, it's a bizarre thing that you would call up this career triple-A, quad-A kind of guy like Kirk, who... Don't get me wrong, as a baseball fan, I'm thrilled to see a guy like this get his chance. You know, he gets to step onto baseball's biggest stage in Yankee Stadium and make his major league debut and maybe his only shot at it. So I hope he does well, not only for Cleveland's sake, but for his own, so he can tell that story for the rest of his life. But, you know, it's one of those weird, weird things where you have a guy with starting rotation experience, but you're choosing Kirk McCarty. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, uh, really keen observation there, Ethan. I think, uh, yeah, I think that that speaks a lot to what this team thinks of Logan Allen as, as a you know, a future pitcher on this team, aka not a starting pitcher. 
because if, if at uh, all, yeah, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't try him in the bullpen a bit. Um, you know, guys tend to have increased velocity when they go shorter stints. Maybe compare down that rotate or sorry that arsenal to two or three pitches. Uh, and maybe get their best stuff over a short period of time. And I think uh, that's totally possible with Logan Allen. But it absolutely speaks to their view on his future in the rotation, i.e. there is no future in the rotation for Logan Allen. Yeah, he's got two games, two appearances, 2.2 innings. It, it's it's just not looking great. You know, like, as uh, Ethan made a good comment of uh, Bobby Bradley just hiding the uh, – Hiding the the person on a roster, I think Bodie called it the uh, the Milton from Office Space, just collecting the paycheck because there was a problem with accounting. That so, was the phrase I was trying to remember. Is yes. I, I can't remember what character from Office Space he referenced. There's been a lot of that in the WFNY Discord recently. Yes, Office Space uh, references. I want to think that. Uh, the whole basis of an article for me that I wrote. I was. <laughs> Yeah, I want to think that Bobby Bradley's bat is the red stapler. They took me deeper. They moved my desk away by the squirrels. That's a really solid Stephen Ray impression there. Thank you. I'm multi-talented out here. Have you guys watched Barry at all? Yeah. Have you guys watched Barry? I have not watched Barry, actually. I've been meaning to get into it, so. The fr- it's it's super intense if you can't handle the intensity. Oh, no, I'm fine. Okay. Uh, I watched the first season. I was like, this is amazing. I don't know if my heart can take anymore. But Stephen Root's phenomenal in it. I love oh, Bill yeah. Hader. So I, I pretty much anything he does, I, I'm, I'm into. You're so. in the tank? You're in the tank. That's fair. Yeah. Back yeah. In Speaking week. of in the tank. No, I'm just kidding. Hi, this is comedian and writer. And let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Let's get to a little bit more of the uh, offense, a little bit more in-depth stuff here. So uh, we were talking earlier in this week on the private side Discord uh, that is this uh, is this offense actually good or is this offense just lucky? And uh, Andrew Schnitke was uh, commenting on how um, up and down, as Ethan said, Jekyll and Hyde, this offense is. Um, today was the first day that they have scored between three and seven runs. Uh, the rest of the games that they've played up until this point, team has scored either more than seven, seven or more or fewer than three runs. So um, it just seems like this team, uh, uh, the Babbitt luck is is off the charts, the cluster luck that we have um, 
we have seven guys. Uh, the team has seven guys right now that are hitting um, over or above um, 273. Uh, as we as mentioned, Naylor is is in there despite only being um, really uh, really recent back on the roster. Um, so, what do you guys think, um, Mitch? Do you think uh, do you think that the team is a little bit more lucky right now i'm gonna find the team babib here in a second and give that to you as soon as i got it i got it you got it team right. team babib's 331 uh the highest babib uh in, in the wild card area sorry the wild card era for non-colorado teams uh is the 2013 red sox at 329 obviously that speaks to some regression they're not going to continue to hit for a BABIP over 330, or at the very least, it's highly, highly unlikely. Uh, but this is a team that should have a high BABIP. I mean, we, we've we talked about Miles Strong, Stephen Kwan in terms of, you know, working the count, making pitchers frustrated. Right. But they're not just that guy. They're also guys who can spray line drives and ground balls over the entire field, uh, rely on infield hits, uh, rely on BABIP because they don't strike out very much. Right. Uh, so I think this team can have like a pretty high BABIP. And, and obviously it's not just those two, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Owen Miller. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez hasn't traditionally been a high BABIP guy, uh, but he's using all fields this year, which is pretty new to him. Uh, so I do think that the BABIP can, you know, come close to the top of the, the league or lead the league uh, if it won't stay this high. But I... I mean, th- this team has been lucky in a sense. I mean, they're not going to continue to score runs over uh, 5.6 per game. Uh, but, I mean, th- this team is going to be able to rely on infield hits consistently with guys like Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan at the top. They just are. Um, so, you know, while we're used to uh, those things being, you know, luck-based or whatever, when you put the ball in play a lot and you have a lot of speed, you're going to get a lot of infield hits. Uh, so I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a real signal there. That is not noise. Yeah. I mentioned luck because um, I mean, we saw yesterday, Tim uh, E six Anderson uh, have uh, just a full on yips over the last two days, it seemed like where he was throwing, he threw up the line yesterday, threw down the line today, pulled the, uh, pulled uh, Jose Bray off of off, off first numerous times. Um, so there, there's just incidents like that, that just screamed a little bit of luck, a little bit of cluster luck sure. for me. Um, but uh, there is definitely a, a, um, a game plan. It seems to be working. Uh, Ethan, do you have anything on the game plan that the, the, the guardians hitters seem to be doing right now that uh, um, is it uh, sustainable as Mitch has said that that obviously not to this level necessarily, but what is the uh, game plan that you see? Mitch, I love that you brought up the infield hits because I know that is contributing to the inflated Babbitt. But when I watch this team, what I'm seeing is the entire team is taking pitches. I I know on the, the conversation cast, I had mentioned how well the top three of that order, Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan, and Jose Ramirez, was eating pitches, uh, averaging almost five pitches per AB, the three of them. 
but it seems like the entire lineup is doing it with the exception of the three games against the giants it felt like they've been getting into teams bullpens in the third fourth fifth inning consistently game one yesterday dallas keichel didn't record an out in the second inning the team batted around without recording an out all nine guys that came up to the dish scored that inning i think they got so, to 11 i think they got to 11 guys before they recorded an out yeah so what I'm really loving is that that is consistent. That seems to be sustainable right now. Obviously, these guys get more stretched out, and we saw a little bit of that in the game today where even though he'd given up a couple of runs and he was approaching his pitch count, uh, Tony LaRusso let Dylan Cease stay in the game a little bit longer today into the fifth. Um, but at the same time, when you get into a team's bullpen in game one, inning two of a three-game series with a double header. That bodes well for an entire series. But the other thing, and why I think the Babbitt could actually be sustainable, when I watch this team, what I see is a really offensively sound basics team. You have guys running hard down the first baseline, not giving up on plays. You know, even a few of those bad Tim Anderson throws the last couple of days could have been tags by Abreu if guys weren't hustling hard down the first baseline. Right. And that doesn't contribute to the BABIP because that gets attributed as an error and it's an owl, or it doesn't attribute to batting average as far as anybody's concerned. But that's the part that's sustainable to me. There's guys playing unselfish baseball. Guys are hitting sack flies when there's guys on third with one out. They're not swinging for the fences. They're not trying to get on base themselves. They're just scoring the runs. So that's what I think is going to be sustainable, and I think it's going to surprise people over the course of a full 162. I know it's early, but... It's it's a good start, and there's a lot to love. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I you know, if you pull up the uh, plate discipline numbers on Fangraphs, uh, you look at the entire team-wide stats. Uh, Cleveland is first in contact, and it's not particularly close. Uh, the difference between first place Cleveland and second place Pittsburgh is the same as the difference between second place Pittsburgh and like uh 10th place texas like the the guardians are far and away making the most contact in the league if you look at swinging strike percentage i.e the amount of pitches swung and missed per pitch uh it's a similar difference between first and second place so cleveland isn't just uh you know kind of barely squeaking by in terms of contact but they are first in the league by far and that is exactly how this team is built. That is how player development in this organization is built. Uh, you, we've talked about guys like Tyler Freeman. I think he's a classic, um, you know, guy to bring up in terms of contact ability. But, you know, the other big offensive prospects, George Valera excluded, uh, kind of also fit this bill. I guess Nolan Jones excluded too. All right, maybe I'm, I'm grasping straws there. But point is... Uh, this is a team that has built around contact, and uh, they're absolutely executing that. Uh, there is no uh, sign that, you know, this can't continue, um, except maybe Owen Miller. Uh, he was so, so poor last year and, and so, so good to start the season. Maybe we can expect some decline with his contact stats. But for the most part, this is how this team's built. So, yes, maybe the batting average on balls in play is going to go down, but the underlying uh, plate discipline stats seem super, super legitimate, and that's really exciting. 
even if it doesn't lead to being the highest scoring offense in the league, it should be a lot of action all year long. Um, you know, not just an improvement in terms of will this team win more games or will this team score more runs, but an improvement on the aesthetics of the game. We're not just sitting around waiting for Framiel Reyes to hit a dinger. We're, we're, we've got guys on base constantly. Uh, we're working counts. We're hitting liners. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that you can expect all season, and that's really, really exciting. It's as, it's as old school of baseball as we've seen from a team in years, almost since. At least the Cleveland team. Since uh, the the Royals World Series team, possibly, and yeah. even then, those were guys that were swinging. They weren't they weren't burning pitches the way that Cleveland's doing. They were contact hitters that were swinging at first and second pitches that were in the zone. No, so. that's the beauty of Quan and Straw and right. Ramirez is they're going to work the count and they're going to mess with pitchers. And uh, that double whammy has just got to be such a pain to play against. Yeah. Yes. Something that this team's been very good at up and down the lineup, with the exception of maybe for Enmiel, has been defending the plate with two strikes. Uh, I mean, just watching these games, uh, this is purely anecdotal, and I will look this up later, but it feels like almost every guy in the lineup, when they get down in the count, 1 2 0 2, they're fouling off everything. Like, they're really making pitchers work for that strikeout. And this whole team is going to be difficult to strike out one through nine, top to bottom, most nights. Uh-huh. That top three alone. I, I mean, Jose has been so good with two strikes. Straw's been exceptional. Quan's been downright electric. The amount of times that guy has gone from 0-2, 1-2 to recording a hit or even drawing a walk or even right. working the count full has been phenomenal. Andre's had a uh, at bat like that today. Where he was down, I think one two, and ended up getting a working walk out of it. His first walk of the season too. And yeah, he made that bad of it. He was up there for eight, nine, ten pitches. Right, dude, I love Andres. I just want him to be the full time shortstop. I, I don't have many wants in life, you know, just like happiness, financial stability, and Andres Jimenez to be the starting Andres shortstop Jimenez for the, the Guardians uh, as, the, as the leading as the starting shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have, uh, I think, worked the Andres uh, bandwagon into a fervor and are on the uh, the Discord in our game thread. So let's uh, let's do uh, Ethan. You mentioned uh, Friend Mill as probably the one of the only guys that's not really doing a great job of protecting the plate on uh, uh, bad counts or anything like that. So um, he did have his first home run today. Um, a uh, a pretty big. Um, a pretty big shot, but uh, let's um, let's talk a little bit. Fran Mill here. He, uh, where, what are we, uh, what are we looking at? Um, is it, was it a get right? A, a, you know, was it was the home run something that looks like it was sustainable, or is he just uh, was it a kind of fluky? Because it, it seemed today after the home run, I think his next at bat, he was right back to swinging at sliders in the left-handers batter's box. And I don't know if it was a, a, a mistake pitch that he just squashed or uh, if it was something that he uh, was ready to go. Friend, so the home run was probably his, not even probably, it definitely was his best contact, his best swing of the season so far. But he, even the at-bat before that, he, he laced a, a worm burner single into left field, which was welcome to see. So he still had two hits on the day. Um but Mitchell actually did some lovely, lovely diving 
deep into Fran Mule and the slow start that he's had. And something that's always been true of Fran Mule is that when he slumps, he slumps hard. But Mitchell did some digging into this one and. Yeah, I, uh, you know, there, uh, it seems like Fran Mule has been so tough to watch in the beginning of the season. He's swinging, missing it. Tons of sliders and, you know, everything he hits hard has been going for an out. And I think there's some reason for hope with Framio Reyes. I mean, not just the homer this uh, today in today's afternoon game. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, he he's hit the ball hard a bunch of times right at guys. Uh, so you should expect – you should expect – sorry, I'm just laughing at spooning up for the M train in our private chat. But uh, uh, successfully distracted me. Uh, no, I mean <laughs> – You've got me enough times. Every once in a while, i got to get you once. <laughs> no, as you should, as you should. Uh, no, guy's been hitting the ball hard, and it's been hitting glove. Uh, the one thing that he hasn't been doing is punishing balls in the air. Uh, a lot of his fly balls have been deep uh, warning track fly balls or just in front of the warning track. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's gonna, that's something that's going to happen over time. He's going he's gonna to actually square up some balls and hit some homers. Uh, if you uh, Like Ethan said, I did do a bit of a, a dive into Fran Meal's uh, kind of peripherals earlier today. And it really does seem like in terms of his play discipline, i.e., swinging at pitches in and out of the strike zone, making contact in and out of the strike zone. It really is in line with his career norms, which makes me think, uh, you know, he's grouping up swings and misses together that lead to strikeouts. Uh, We can expect in the future that, you know, he will intersperse some contact in there. Um, But also, um, you know, he's hitting the ball hard, He's not absolutely destroying balls like he has been in the past. Um, and But there's no reason not to expect that to come. I mean, pitchers are actually attacking him in the zone far more than his career normal um, because he's not hitting. He's swinging and missing. He's whiffing at a lot of breaking balls, as Gerbs uh, alluded to in the past. Uh, but he always has been a, 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 a guy who will go through some tough slumps, and then he will absolutely break out and hit five home runs in a week. And uh, he started slow. It's easy to notice when there aren't any uh, stats that show him hot to balance out the cold streaks. He's just start out cold. Um, so there's always some concern. But I really think we just need to be patient um, and – just know that this guy is a power hitter uh, and that these home runs will come in bunches. Uh, so I, I, I urge everyone to hold tight, wait for him to uh, to hit some dingers. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a few fewer double plays and a few more homers with uh, runners on base. And that'll be really nice for the Guardians' uh, chances at winning each game. Yeah, once Mitchell had finished uh, posting some of Fran Mule's heat maps and his spray charts in the chat earlier as he was going down the list of everything that points to him becoming Fran Mule again sooner rather than later, it was one of those things where it read to me as he just needs to get that first one to get off the schneid and he's going to be fine. And I can't help but think that after three games in the Bronx the next couple of days, heading out west and playing seven games in the California sun is going to do him some good. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I often wonder that. Sorry, Gerbs. Uh, I, I, 
I often wonder that, you know, you're from, I mean, he and Jose Ramirez are from 15 miles apart in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I, I just wonder, like, if you are someone who grew up in tropical climate, who thrived at, for the first time in a tropical climate, and then you have to come and play in Cleveland in April, that can be fun, right? Like, like hopefully you're right, Ethan. Hopefully the California sun does wake him up. And I, and I see no reason to think it won't. And again, uh, purely anecdotal, like Jose Abreu, who the team just played three games against, is another one of those guys who's from one of those tropical climates who is absolutely abysmal in the month of April playing yep. on the north side of Chicago, yep. who eventually ends the year with 40 home runs and 100 RBIs like clockwork. Right. So, yeah. Never. I don't think he's ever not hit 30 home runs in an RBI. So, but yeah. I mean, speaking, uh, this is like the first time in memory, maybe ever, that Jose Ramirez has actually started hot. I feel like he usually is a bit of a slow starter in April. Maybe he's finally getting used to Cleveland. Maybe he signed that extension. And he became resigned to his fate as a as a cold weather liver. Uh, he's no longer, a, you know, he's only, a, he's an honorary Clevelander at this point. He's got to get used to this kind of weather. And, the, uh, and the, only, think, uh, the only thing that remains ahead. now is deciding if he's going to be a West Sider or an East Sider. Oh, man. What do you, what do you think? Is Jose Ramirez a West Sider or an East Sider? I don't know. I'm not from, I'm actually not from Cleveland. I've never, uh, I'm, I've been in uh, the uh, trouble Mahoning, Columbiana County area most of my life. So Wait. I, I actually... I'm not in Cleveland. Did I not? Did you not know this? I have totally no, I knew. Cleveland. I I knew you were a, a Youngstown person. Yeah. Um, although I didn't know that was true your entire life. Ethan, are you? Are as you as an as an East Sider from Willoughby East Lake. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Jose is absolutely an East Sider. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. There's no. It, yeah. I yeah. I always just laugh at those comments because those those. Uh, arguments on twitter because i have no idea about any of it so oh it means absolutely nothing i'm just saying that because i want to claim him as a guy from the east side <laughs> that's right i'm completely with you as a fellow east sider there's no doubt in my mind that Jose Ramirez is an east sider and all you west siders can suck it okay <laughs> we're spicy on that guys we are spicy <laughs> all right let's get to some pitching here uh the rotation is pitching well they are right now um ranking fifth in F war, but um, some of the peripherals uh, Mitch, you uh, said they mentioned in our, uh, our pre-meeting that they were out producing their FIP. Um, the, the, some of the peripheral stuff, it just looks a little wonky. They are only uh, 19th in K percentage, uh, 19th in left on base percentage. Surprisingly, they are 29th in ground and ground ball percentage. Um, a team that has, prided itself on its defense in the past um, and, and has a bunch of guys that need a, a good defense behind them. Um, you know, they, they're, they're living for fastballs right now. Um, and, and so, uh, and we're living for fly balls rather not fastballs. Um, any idea, uh, Ethan, what is helping the rotation right now uh, pitch so well that is, uh, that just isn't being seen in the numbers that we're, that we're uh, missing. So there's definitely some things to keep an eye on. And I definitely think they've been lucky with some Kansas city, Cleveland weather 
and some high winds keeping some baseballs in some parks with this excruciatingly high fly ball rate for a right. normally ground ball pitching staff. But one thing that needs to be noted is that aside from Tristan McKenzie, the fastball velocity of the starting rotation is down across the board. Right. Um, nobody in the rotation is really a flamethrower. It's actually really funny to think about that Cal Quantrill had the fastest average fastball last year of over 95. Um, mm. But Bieber's always like a 93 to 94 guy. He's throwing 90, 91 right now. Plezak should be a 92 to 93 guy. He was throwing 89 today. Uh, Savali's never thrown hard. Is that his average today? I mean, I know that's where he was kind of around. I'm not trying to cut you off or anything like that. I apologize. I know he, I saw him get up to 92, I think, topped out, but 89 was his average today? I was I was waiting for fan graphs to update it, but yeah, I think he's going to be around 89.8, 89.9 for the total today. He gotcha. was not throwing the ball particularly hard. Yeah. Savali's never thrown very hard. Tristan's been notably up, uh, but his stamina is notably not that great after the fourth inning. Right. So that's definitely something to watch going forward. Even Quantrill, who's normally like a 95.3, 95.2 kind of guy, is throwing 92 to start the year. But even then, peripherals point to him being one of the better guys in the rotation, and it's going to be a shame to miss him out in this Yankee series on the COVID list. Quantrill's got a, a 171 batting average against a 1.03 whip, a 194 bat bip, and a 380 fip in nine and a half innings pitched so far. So he seems to be the one that's really standing out among them. The exception also being Bieber, who despite his fastball velocity down, all the breaking stuff's there, he's killing it. Um, but it, for control, it seems like he's eliminated the slider altogether, which seems to be the improvement this year and leading to him somehow further reducing hard contact he's gone with just the cutter sinker curveball and changeup, and he's been purposefully not including the changeup until the second time through the lineup so if that's a conscious choice going forward and that's going to help him turn a lineup over two or three times then i'm here for it but there's definitely some alarm bells ringing in, in the rotation despite some positive results early on yeah i'm completely with you ethan i mean um there there's you don't have to get swing and misses to be good, but it certainly helps. And uh, this this rotation is not getting the swing and misses that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, just wanted to follow up on what you were saying about Plesak today. He averaged 90.4 on his four-seamer today, uh, hit a max of 92. Uh, so not what we're used to seeing, uh, or at least when he's had success, not what we're used to seeing. He did throw his changeup actually more than his fastball today and 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 almost threw as many sliders as fastballs as well, uh, which is something that I've been calling for for Plesak for a while. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we're so accustomed to seeing this Guardians team have a strong rotation uh, that we see the ERA this year, and we're like, of course, of course, they this is their strength. They've always been a good rotation team. Uh, but there are real reasons for concern. I, I, you need to get some swings and misses. And Plesak and Quantrill and Savali, none of these guys have really impressed in terms of their stuff uh, to start the season. And that is concerning. Uh, Bieber's velocity is down, like you said, but the secondary stuff's been good enough. And he's a gifted enough pitcher that it's okay. And, and McKenzie, uh, I tweeted yesterday, uh, that the only uh, the only 
a person that can beat Tristan McKenzie is Tristan McKenzie himself. Uh, because that's that seems to be the case when he struggles. Uh, it is because he can't get the ball over the plate. Uh, but uh, those three pitchers, uh, Plesak, Quantrill, and Savali, uh, none of them have been getting swings and misses. All of them have been giving up some hard contact. And, you know, they're lucky that the, the Cleveland defense is pretty strong in spite of uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario playing shortstop every day. Uh, and they're lucky that uh, the Cleveland offense has started strong. But I am genuinely concerned about this rotation. Uh, you know, I hope that they can figure it out, that the velocity for some of these guys, i.e. Plesak and Bieber, can increase and uh, and Savali can get more swing and miss as well. But there really, really is some reason for concern. And we – and we'll see this weekend. Savali goes against the Yankees on Sunday. And that's a team that if you are allowing hard contact, they will make you pay. Uh, so, I mean, I hope this offense can can pick up the slack. And I hope this rotation can, can kind of fix what's ailing them. But I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Um- yeah, I, I definitely uh, don't. Uh, Ethan, go ahead. You you had something you wanted to say, I, and I'm gonna I'm doing just a little bit more research. I'm gonna let you vamp for a little bit more. I'm I'm looking at uh, some of Plesak's, um at bats today. So go ahead and ahead uh, and, and finish up with your stuff there. Yeah. So specifically today, if you just look at the box score, you're gonna look at Plesak and see six innings pitch, couple of hits given up, one run, and handful of strikeouts. Pretty good start. You're going to sit there and think, okay, save the bullpen, did pretty good. But what that doesn't show is that he gave up 11 hard-hit balls today, eight in the first three innings. And he's in the bottom 15th percentile in hard-hit rate given up, which means he's given up a ton of hard contact. That kind of thing, despite the fact that he's 1-1 one one with a one five three ERA in three games over almost 18 innings, it's just not sustainable. He's got a 1.08 whip, but, you know, all of the hard contact today just happened to be right at somebody. And one really good relay between Franny Reyes and Josh Naylor kept that game scoreless at one point. So how long can he keep that up unless he starts getting more swings and misses, unless he starts getting some weak contact and some ground balls to the shortstop? It's just... It's fine early on, and the box score makes them look great. But once you start digging, it's it's not a pretty picture. Yeah, that velo is is kind of terrifying. I mean, he was sitting at what eighty nine ninety today. That's horrifying. I mean, that's got to be like bottom five percentile in the league among yeah. starting. And hitters. we're and you say, and, and we're early still, but we're also at the point where these guys are just about stretched out innings wise which means that we need to start seeing that velo start taking back up on some of these yeah. guys too. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're seeing opponents starting pitchers throwing below their yep. typical velocity. Cease was, was pumping in there 94, 95. Dude, Cease did not take it easy on them in that game one against the Giants. Right. No, no, he did not. Cease uh, looked and- great. Uh, Cease looked great today, including his mustache, Ethan. His mustache was glorious. Yeah. His, I'm going to ask uh, for a both, cease and desist on that mustache. Thank you very much. I will take my pun and my leave. Gerbs, you said in the uh, public chat today that his um, 
His breaking balls were disgusting, and his mustache looked the opposite. Absolutely. And I had to disagree. I mean, nah, his it's... mustache and his breaking balls both had a very aesthetically pleasing bend to them. So I, ha- I... I have to disagree that they were opposite. There you go. <laughs> we've uh, no, we've but... overruled Ethan on the look of the stash now. So we, we win. That's what that went. That's what that we means. do win. We do win. Um, Why am I even real here? quick? Real quick, just to finish up, please, Zach, and then we can uh, move quickly to the bullpen and then look at look ahead to next week. Um, Ethan, the, what I was looking up was you were mentioning how with uh, Cal Quantrill um, sequencing during at bats uh, during the game. Um, is being set up, and and I meant I mentioned that in our public side Discord today, that Plezak was doing a good job of that. Early on in the game, he was throwing mostly sliders, as Mitch had mentioned, um, getting guy keeping the ball down in the zone. Um, obviously, not hitting a lot of velo, but um, there was a at bat to um, Adam Halsey uh, Hasley, sure Hazley. Um, Hazley. Hazley, sure. Um, where he uh, he went change up, curveball, change up, and then pumped two fastballs up in the zone to get the strikeout. Um, in the uh, I forget what inning this was. It was a thirty-six at bat of the game for uh, thirty-six batter for Plezak. But um, that's just being man. able to. Sure? I, I'm looking at it. At bat thirty six. Is that is that? I think that counts both teams. teams. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. It was. I'm getting used like... to Savant. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it was definitely not his first time facing him. That's for sure. Yes, it was his. It was his second at, at bat. Um, but just I, it just struck me in the moment that to see um, please I completely change his uh, his 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 point of attack in the game was was something that uh, can help him down the line if the velo still is not there and mixing in pitches keeping that up that's that's just something that's uh, a, a good sign for future looks something that we're that you know a lot of us have been on the Plezak is a bullpen arm in the making um, if he can start sequencing pitches like that and 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 using multiple looks at guys, um, he can stay in the rotation, and, and that's something that could uh, could see down the line. So, um, I do want to get to the bullpen just a little bit, uh, just going over some things, and then we can look at um, the trip coming up and, and get out of here for the night. Um, Anthony goes, Trevor Steffen, both these guys have actually, uh, I mean, we had pretty much written goes off as being lost almost you know or just a a complete uh I, at least i had was completely skeptical of of goes going into the season not betting anything on him at all and, and he's come and, and really proven at least me wrong um and, and this year so far as looking like a full full on uh major league bullpen arm uh trevor stefan is also um really kind of bought in and, and earned some trust. Um, M train. What do you got for me on goes or Stefan? Um, how has the bullpen look to you going, uh, going on in this early, in this early run? And I'm looking, yeah, I'm th- talking about the back end. I'm not talking about the, necessarily the piggybackers with like Sam Hinches and 
Logan S. Allen. I, I'm I'm talking about specifically Gills or Stefan. Hey, I, is there a, is there a back end that we've decided on besides Class A? I'm not so sure about that. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty much just like Class A pitches the highest leverage innings and everyone else, like, we'll see what Tito decides. But no, um, I've been the biggest ghost skeptic there is. I mean, I am a firm believer in the fact that stuff is not everything. It is important. Right. But if you have no idea where your fastball is going and if, if you have no ability to get your slider over the plate, it doesn't matter how hard you throw. And and guess what? Ghost yesterday looked phenomenal. I mean, he looked dominant. And, you know, maybe he had great feel for his stuff that day, and we can't count on that coming every day. But it's proof of concept, right? Like, the guy struck out – I think he struck out four batters in five plate appearances or three and four plate appearances. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but he looked really good. The slider was – he was pumping it in for strikes, the fastball – He's putting in spots in the strike zone that weren't hittable to, to opposing White Sox hitters. Uh, and that's really exciting because, you know, you don't come across lefties who throw 98, 99 with a wicked slider all the time. Uh, and that is really exciting. And then Stefan today uh, really dominated that game, uh, fielding mishap notwithstanding. Um you know, we, we were worried about this bullpen going into it. It was Classe and then who else? We don't know. Right. Um, and we and we talked about how there's the raw potential for a lot of these guys, but we don't really know. Um, and it turns out that, hey, if you have elite stuff and uh, you can get it in the strike zone the majority of the time, uh, hey, it's pretty good. Uh, you mentioned – Klasse, or no, sorry, you mentioned um, Ghost Trevor and Stephen. you mentioned Stefan, uh, but Hanches has also been excellent. And here's another guy who, you know, can pare down his repertoire uh, as a reliever into just the fastball and slider and, and really dominate. Uh, there is some concern still that maybe this is just a flash in the pan, but hey, there's a lot to dream on now. Um, I think we're looking at a bullpen that that can have a fair amount of success if all goes well. And that's a, that's a massive improvement uh, over what it was coming into the year. I'm, been, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you just for uh correction for correction sake. Uh, uh, goes had four strikeouts and five batters. Okay. That's what I thought. So I'll, I'll say I'm still not in on the bullpen. I, I don't think one that's fair. Anthony goes game, you know, wipes away the fact that I still think any given time he touches the mound is he doesn't know where it's going, which is dangerous to both the hitter and the guardians run cushion. 
So I still don't want to see him in high leverage situations right now. Yes, he had a phenomenal outing yesterday, but there's not much of a track record to really go on. And I'm going to kind of contradict myself here, but the only guy who's really impressing me so far this season is Trevor Steffen. And for a 26-year-old Rule 5 draft pick, it's hard not to like what he's done so far early this season. And he showed some flashes of it last year, but so far this season through just seven innings, his splitter's been damn near untouchable. He's throwing hard out of the pen, 96-97 with the fastball. And if you look at his Savant page, I know it's early, so I'm not going to sit here and quote what percentiles he's at in the league because this can change based on the game with only seven innings under his belt. There's a lot of red on that page, which is fantastic by Savant's metrics. But so far this season, the man's got a 1.74 FIP. His expected FIP's barely over three, so he's not outperforming his peripherals by that much. And he's doing a pretty good job so far in the limited relief appearances. So he's pitched seven games. He's got seven and a third innings under his belt. He's 1-0, and he hasn't given up a run. That's pretty damn good because I think everybody else in the pen has given up a run. At least one. Yeah. Ethan, I want to, I want to point you to uh, Sam Hentges' uh, baseball reference – or sorry, baseball savant page, which is all red as well. Um, and then if we look at um, – his 2021 season, uh, you'd also see that he was much better as a reliever. Um, you you got a, a um, 18.2% K percentage uh, as a starter, and that's up to a 26.7% as a reliever, 13.6% walk rate as a starter, only 4.2% as a reliever. And then you look at this year, and uh, he's got five appearances, and he's looked really, really good. Um, and that's what's so exciting about this is like, yes, we don't know if Ghost has any idea where it's going. And if he doesn't, that's bad. But there are a few guys who have really good stuff. And, um, you know, in a short amount of time, if you're only counting on a guy for an inning – that matters a lot more than if you're counting on him for five or six. Um, you know, I think this bullpen, I mean, while there's still tons of variance here, there's a lot of reason to be hopeful, um, especially if you consider the fact that, you know, this isn't a team that we're counting on competing this year. This is a developmental year. Um, right. You know, if the if by the end of the year we see Sam Hentges – and Anthony Ghost and Trevor Steffen, let's say two of those three guys are a future part of this bullpen. Hey, guess what? That's three really, really great bullpen pieces and, um, you know, and plenty more to come. Uh, this is a team that has consistently produced good pitchers. So I'm not worried at all about the bullpen, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm much more – um, you know, I'm much more keyed into this offense and whether or not they can keep up this early season uh, hot streak to an extent. Um, but the bullpen, like, hey, this team has always produced good pitchers and there's a lot of good stuff here. So uh, this is exciting. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing to really worry about. Uh, you have a clarification, Ethan, go for it. No, I just want to say, let me reiterate that I am 
a fan first and foremost. I do this for fun. I love being able to share my opinion and have a platform to speak and be called an idiot. I want these guys to succeed. Bottom line. For sure. This is not me saying that like, yeah, I hope Anthony goes fails or I don't care about Sam Hedges. This is, I need to see more. For sure. I Uh, want these guys to be where Mitchell sees them going. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm like, Oh, Anthony Ghost, he's a top-tier reliever by any means. But you can dream on it now. I mean, we have proof of concept. The guy can throw his fastball 99 miles per hour. And, you know, he has had appearances now where he has an idea where the slider is going. And that is my main concern with him. Uh, I'm not out here saying that Anthony Ghost is going to be the next great Guardians reliever. Uh, but it's possible Anthony Ghost is the next great Guardians reliever. And that's uh, what 2022 is all about. The possibilities going into the future. Uh, and Anthony Ghost figures to be, um, if not certainly a part of the future, it's um, hard to count him out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we've been talking about the bullpen. So let's uh, finish up. One guy that is coming out of the bullpen and it's going to be a starter tomorrow. Eli Morgan uh, made some starts last year for Cleveland. Um, our 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 thick darling boy that uh, is coming up, and uh, um, I'm interested to see Eli tomorrow. Um, we we've seen him early in this year. The added weight in the off season has helped him keep uh, some of his uh, velo gains. Um, he, he put on a little bit of the weight, added a little bit, uh, tick to his fastball. Um, Ethan, do you think that this is something that, uh, he's going to be able to keep going while he starts? Or is this something that the, is the increased of velocity something that is bullpen aided? The increase in velocity is absolutely going to be bullpen aided. Um, even in his limited, if you want to call them long relief appearances of two, two and a third innings, he throws 92 to 93, the first 15 or so pitches that first inning he gets. And then he's right back down to 90, 91 the next time he touches the mound. So I think this is carving a really clear path for him to be a lights out reliever four seam fastball, right? Elite change up and a still developing slider three pitch mix kind of guy. So I don't expect his leash to be very long tomorrow. I expect somebody to piggyback off of him, whether that's Connor Pilkington, Tanner Tully, um, or even Logan Allen, who has not been mentioned in what feels like a week in the world of Cleveland baseball. Um, So I definitely think, and and this is a good thing, Eli Morgan with that changeup, with an uptick in velocity on that fastball, even if it's just for one inning at a time, could be a borderline elite reliever. So I don't have a lot of high hopes for him as a, as a starter, especially tomorrow against the Yankees. Cause if he's not getting guys to whiff on the changeup or the slider, then they're just going to tee off on him. Right. It's, it's going to be a very touch and go series the next three days in the Bronx. Yeah, man. I mean, like um, he has a legitimate plus pitch in that changeup and that distinguishes him from this Josh Tomlins and the, and the Adam Plutko's of the world. Uh, but he's still not. The Zach McAllister's. Yeah. Yeah, he's still not um, a real starting pitcher. 
but there is some reason to believe in a in a shorter stint he can keep the fastball velocity up a little bit and has that plus change up. Like there might be a spot on this roster for him long term. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like between those first two games against the Yankees, uh, Eli Morgan starting on Friday and Kirk McCarty starting on Saturday, Cleveland would be lucky to get to, to split those games, get one win out of the two. And I think that's what our expectations should be as fans of this team. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're, I think we're coming off of the White Sox sweep and looking for another one. Um, Question for you guys. This will be my last one of the night, and then we'll uh, cut out. What do you guys think, innings-wise, for Morgan and McCarty uh, the next two days? I know uh, Eli's not really stretched out. I don't know how stretched out McCarty has been. I haven't checked his numbers in Columbus to see, um, or even if he's pitched at all in Columbus. Um, but what, how long do you think these guys are going to go for? Are we going to be lucky to see three innings, or is it going to be a full uh, – bullpen game i mean like the tito's going to be relying on these guys to try and get as much length as possible i mean i'm not these guys aren't going to go seven uh but i think i think like if you gave terry francona some truth serum and asked him like what is your optimistic realistic expectation for these guys he would tell you they make it five innings and I think that's about right, right? I mean, if you can get Eli Morgan to throw 60 pitches, 65, 70 max, if he looks good, um, and I think similar to Kirk McCarty, I think that's about right. Uh, I mean, there's a real chance that coming in, you know, getting out of this New York series that the bullpen's in bad shape because neither of these guys can go those five innings. And I, and I don't think we should, we should expect them to go the five innings. Right. Um, but, but I think that is the optimistic expectation. Um, I'm going to the game on Saturday. I'm seeing Kirk McCarty's major league debut. So everyone uh, think about that. Everyone pray for me uh, <laughs> that I'm not just seeing a bunch of uh, pitching changes. Uh, see a whole bunch of home runs hit by uh, uh, Yankees players. Dude, I really, really hope not. But, you know, I could see DJ Mayhew hitting, like, two line drive homers the opposite field. That wouldn't be right. homers anywhere else. Ugh. Yeah, Mitch, you, you touched on it uh, there. It, I, I think Eli pretty safely is going to be three innings at best. Uh, barring subpar performance, you know, we, we don't want to see him pull a Dallas Keuchel and go out there and pitch one inning and get pulled after giving up 10 hits and your defense giving up three errors in the second. So I think three innings with a piggyback is realistic for Eli, but I just looked up McCarty's stats so far this year in AAA. He's made three starts for the Clippers and he's got a grand total of 11 and a third inning is under his belt in three starts. So if he goes five, you know, I'm already questioning how stretched out he is to start the season, even at AAA. Right. But if he goes five tomorrow, it might be the best pitching he's ever done in his life, or Saturday rather, when he takes the mound. Right. So this is going to be, it, it's going to be fly by the seat of your pants time. And then, oh, by the way, you have rough, rough start Aaron Savale against 
Captain Spider Attack Garrett Cole on Sunday. So who hasn't been what he's been in the past without the without without the sticky stuff? But yes, you always are are weary of of Garrett Cole when he's coming out. So he's Garrett Cole. He's Garrett Cole. It's it's gonna happen. So. All right, guys. Well, we have a good weekend of baseball coming forward. We have uh, Mitch, we have Mitch's uh, game on Saturday. We're gonna root that he doesn't get bean in the head by wearing his uh, block C hat to the game. So, um, but all right, guys. I, I think we uh, I think we pretty much covered it. So let's uh, let's hope that we uh, have some more good offense to talk about next week when we get back together. We're actually uh, gonna have some intro music next week. When we start, got that uh, in the works for us, as well as possibly and probably a uh, a affiliate with uh, the Breaking Tea. We have a, a WFMY code coming for you uh, for you know, listeners and uh, our, our podcast guys coming. So um, I want t-shirts. Good stuff coming on uh, the WFNY Quartercast. You guys can catch us here every week. Uh, you guys have a great night and take care. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.